I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From AccuWeather, this is everything under the sun. Real news and real stories covering topics from the worlds of science, sports, and space. It's all the information you need to weatherproof your life. And now here's the host of Everything Under the Sun, AccuWeather meteorologist Dean DeVore. Friends, welcome in a busy fifth episode of 2023 here. We're going to talk gardening because, wow, we're off to the races with some areas east of the Mississippi with this warm winter already a couple of weeks ahead of the game in terms of leaves and plants already blooming. I've got uh, daffodils and tulips are already a couple inches above ground. And yet we have this idea that we could have some late season freezes and frosts. We'll talk with a gardening expert about that and how to deal with that as you get ready to get out in the dirt this spring. And we're also going to talk about lightning safety with our friend Chris Vigaski, an interesting study where they're using lasers potentially to help direct and guide lightning away from big and places and important places. Friends, sit back and relax. It's time to talk about everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. For Margaret Roach, gardening is not a hobby. In fact, she says it's a spiritual practice and a life partner. And I kind of vibe with that tremendously. If you get too involved, it can be frustrating, but with laughter and learning and trial and error, garden can make for a really amazing way to teach yourself things and get some beauty. And if you're growing vegetables and those kinds of things, some uh, nice things to eat and to be with you in your life. And we are really, really fortunate to have Margaret with us. You know, for years, she has taken this garden passion and published. She's got a great website, awaytogarden.com. You can read her in the New York Times. You can listen to her uh, award-winning radio show and uh, podcast. Uh, Margaret, it is amazing to have you. I've listened to some (laughs) of your stuff, read some of your stuff. And like you, gardening, I think if we we get too wrapped up in the results, kind of like life, if you get too wrapped up in the results, you can set yourself for, for disappointment. But the thing about gardening that's good to me is the process of learning, trial and error, and those kinds of things. And I'm so glad you're here to help us with what could be a challenging <laughs> spring this year, right? Here, it will. It will be. It will be. And I, I will say, you know, the really the garden is like part Buddhist retreat and 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 part science lab. And there's just so much to learn on both fronts. You know. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it really is. And and it's. I think some people that are getting get into it, they're afraid because you know they. I know I see like you and other people that have these amazing gardens and you've worked a long time on it. And I'm just kind of probably my eighth, ninth year really doing this seriously. And I think sometimes that, that overwhelming, almost, uh, you know, you're some intimidation about should I, should I ask, am I, am I allowed to ask somebody who's good? And I find that things that I'm good at, people are afraid to ask me stuff. Do you ever feel that way with the people in gardening that sometimes they, they're almost afraid to ask the, the, the right answers? Yes, but I, I kind of tease. I have a, a a little phrase that I use. I say, I call them urgent gardening questions because I have a younger sister and um, we didn't. We had some rough years uh, when we were maybe in our 20s and 30s. Our parents were ill and then died. And 
whatever, and it caused a fric- uh, you know fracture between us. Right. And a number of years later, she started making these phone calls to me, and she would call me up and say, "Hi, I've got an urgent gardening question." <laughs> and that was-, was how she broke the ice. It was became yeah. our little ha ha. You know what I mean? And it was like she yeah, came it was to like big an entree. Sister- it was an yeah. entree into something that was more uncomfortable. Yeah. And- but she's gardening like some people use the weather with me. I've got an urgent exactly. weather question, right? Exactly. And so you know, like the doctor at the cocktail party giving out medical advice or whatever. So you know, it was a way of reconnecting. So yeah, so I I get a lot of urgent gardening questions, and <laughs> and they feel urgent. You know, when something's out there and failing, it feels you feel really responsible. But even the best gardeners, and I've over the thirty or thirty five years that I've been a garden journalist and so forth, I've interviewed some of the most you know incredible gardeners in the world, and 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 botanists and so on and so forth, and. I mean, they've all killed plants. Do you, do you know what I mean? Oh, plants. I know. I've, I've yeah, killed, it's, I've it's killed okay. a few myself, right? That's why we have a compost heap. So it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> that energy will go back in and make another plant at some point. Completely, right? from yeah. dust to dust. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you know, it is going to be a challenging spring. And before we talk a little bit about that, Margaret, I wanted to bring in our long-range forecaster, Paul Pasolak, because... We've just released the spring forecast at AccuWeather in the last week or so. And there are some big concerns about this spring because we've been much warmer than normal. Um, I've already, uh, I live in uh, zone 6B. Margaret lives in 5B. I'm sure both of us are already seeing things that are starting to push up that in the middle of February, we weren't expecting to see so far. And so there are some concern about that early start to the growing season and how this spring may play out. Let's hear from Paul about those concerns as we look at the long-range forecast. Well, Dean, yeah, right now the mild weather is feeling really nice for most folks out there, saving a little bit uh, on energy costs. But here's the thing. We're starting to see this early budding going on, and uh, too early is not good, especially when you live in the northern tier. And we are looking for a major shakeup in the overall pattern heading into March, which means that colder temperatures are looking more more and more favorable as we get into the month of March especially and it could linger all the way through April and early May so the threat of a late frost or freeze is definitely on the table going further and everything that's starting to grow right now the sensitive uh, plants and trees they could lead to some damage so we are looking at this very carefully as we go through the course of the spring season so Margaret when you hear that and I know for me like um, I love my hydrangeas I love a lot of things oh that, boy <laughs> yeah this I, and I'm, I'm telling you I live in central Pennsylvania and our climate has changed right uh, yes. I think you even I'm sure those of us that do get out there, we we can see it because we can see the types of things that are growing more early now. They're starting more early, and there are we're in a in an area here where I think where we get the we get the advantage maybe now of a little bit earlier growing, but a disadvantage that the cold air can hang on longer. And so while we get a little bit earlier growth, a little bit of budding, and a little bit of a blossoming and things can actually be dangerous if we have this scenario where we're thinking about late season frosts. I don't know. Is this one of those things that we're going to have to get used to, do you think, in zones five and six uh, in terms of uh, being a, uh, tempering our expectations a little bit? Or are there some things that as a gardener over the years that as you've seen this trend go to help protect some of those things that could bud or or bloom early and then may have some danger of uh, succumbing to frost and freeze uh, too late in the season. 
I definitely worry about it. I worry about it on both ends of the season. And I think it's a, a version of this kind of worrying is true in virtually every region in the country and virtually every zone where things are happening later than usual or earlier than usual. So in the fall, in, in the northern areas, we're not getting that slow descent into deep cold. So buds and twigs and so forth, growth points of next year are not hardening off properly. So they're not Ooh. going to yeah, sleep that's, fully that's protected. Big, yeah. And then on the other end, when they're being asked to awaken by the various triggers, um, and in this case, it's early warmth, um, you know, because the day length isn't changing, isn't right. getting longer earlier, and, and and usually the moisture isn't necessarily, but but that but that um, temperature thing is that trigger, and it's saying to them, you know, I had things that looked like the buds wanted to swell, like they look like March buds in December here and in in January, and so those you know are they're very vulnerable. They either didn't shut down carefully enough in the fall and or they've had this added tease of like warm, warm, warm bouts throughout the so-called winter. So yeah, I don't recognize uh, where I garden. I don't recognize, I've lost my rhythm. I've lost, I've lost the beat. You know what I mean? No, I've been I, here I, 35 I, years and I've lost the beat. So I I'm just, yeah. Yeah. I've totally gotten that. And so if it's hard for you as a, a professional yeah. <laughs> that writes and lives it and thinks it and breathes it and talks it, it's got to be hard for the average person. So um, is it just now even more so we have to be kind of just used to some losses in these situations? I, I think uh, so. But also, I think we have to be alert more than ever. And that's why, you know, meteorology and, and our relying on, on professionals like yourself and the longer range forecasts and having the tools on hand, if there's going to be that dip, you know, why aren't we in fall when we close up the garden, quote unquote, why aren't we making sure we have that blank, that remay or agrabond fabric blanket, you know, for certain areas that we know are inclined this way that we're seeing happen this way? You know, why don't we have those tools, those protective tools at hand so that we can like run out and you know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, yeah. So sometimes it's just a little bit of help like that that can protect something particularly precious that's advancing too fast for its own good um, is just having those fabrics. And, you know, you can use them year after year after year. Um, yeah, so, I've, got I a, mean, yeah, I've got a whole uh, corner in my garage uh, to exactly. all of my, uh, my blankets and stuff that uh, I hope I don't have to bring out too often. But I, I think the way this forecast sounds, I may have to wrap those uh, hydrangeas and a couple of other things here, maybe for a, a cold spell later on yeah. in March or April. Yeah. And so that's 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 what I think we're all thinking about right now is, you know, seeing things happen much, much, much too early, um, you know, and, and be vulnerable. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think this is also a time when it's more important than ever to talk to each other and to talk as gardeners and people that, um, you know, one of my favorite places to go and to talk to people is when I go to the farmer's market. Uh, right. Because yes. these are people yes. that are growing uh, not only for their enjoyment, but for their livelihood. Yes. And so they're growing, uh, whether it's the cut flowers or uh, the vegetables and the fruits. And and so to maximize their yield, they're understanding this climate change and, and they're they're giving you giving me some strategies locally. Um, I think that's a good place your your local garden center or. Margaret's uh, podcast and her <laughs> great website, awaytogarden.com. I think now more than ever, 
you shouldn't feel as an amateur that you know a lot because even the professionals aren't knowing as much with this changing climate. Is that a fair statement? Oh, I think that's I think that's really fair. And it, it raises all kinds of questions beyond, you know, oh, gosh, am I going to lose my fill in the blank? You know, is it going to get frozen? Well, and, and, and so th- things like you just brought up farmers. You know, people who have apple orchards, I mean, you know, things that bloom really early and not only that the flowers shouldn't get frosted, um, but that the the correct pollinator is awake and ready or pollinators in the case of fruit trees. It could be many, many species, but but, you know, that the bees that do a lot of that work are around because that's the other thing that this this. the rhythm being off is changing is that wildlife from insect life on up to, you know, birds and so forth, all the migratory or animals, including insects, or the ones that, uh, you know, that that try to overwinter right. in, in a rough spot like Zone 5B, they're all thrown off too. When should they wake up? And is it is the right plant going to be blooming both for them to be nourished by and also for them to perform the ecosystem services that that plant needs to do its thing for us or for the environment. You know what I mean? So it's the whole thing is out of sync. I'm I'm, I'm absolutely with you. I've had uh, this past two winters, uh, families of bluebirds never had that before. Yeah. They they always would go south, but now I have them all winter. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't go too far. Yeah. They don't go too far, but they, but they go far enough, but I have them all winter now too. Right. But but, you know, 10, 10 years ago, that, that wasn't, that wasn't the case. And so many birds, many birds. Yeah. No, it's fascinating to see, uh, different bird species that, again, in 35 years, I've been in the same place that, um, you know, I never would see in the winter and now are my regular and and vice versa, the ones that aren't here anymore, that that don't, um, you know, come to this area anymore at this time of year. So, yeah. We're talking with Margaret Roach from um, many places. You can read her in the <laughs> New York uh, Times. She has a podcast, her own podcast, A Way to Garden with Margaret Roach. And the accompanying website is awesome. I've been spending some time on it in the last few days to to, to look at all the different um, um, stories and information there. That's awaytogarden.com. Margaret, give me a, a few strategies now as I'm I'm getting ready. You know, it's uh, we're out of the worst. We're into solar spring. We just crossed over about a week ago. So yes. I'm already you're feeling it. I'm feeling it. People that are out in the garden can feel that extra light. They can feel the higher sun angle. There's almost an excitement, especially with these mild temperatures that we've been seeing. What are some things, some strategies? that you would tell folks to be doing right now to think about getting ready for these times when um, we're getting ready for planting later on in the spring? And is there things we can be doing in these uh, formative months here in the next couple of months? Well, I mean, making a calendar, I think, and especially if you plan to do any edibles, any vegetables, herbs, or any annual flowers, anything that needs to be started from seed, having a, a calendar, a schedule in mind and, and, getting everything sewn in the right order. I mean, that's, even though it's an indoor job, it's really important right now to be doing that in a timely way so that you'll have the seedlings ready at the right time for transplanting. What about four to eight weeks before you would normally want to plant them is when you're going to probably start those seeds in most cases? Yeah, no, it's a simple math. And I have on on awaytogarden.com, I have a seed calculator where you can put in your final frost date and it'll calculate for you when to start everything and where to start it and so forth, indoors or out. Mm. And it's really a simple thing. It's like if something needs six weeks 
indoors and it can be and it can be put outdoors at frost time you count back six weeks from the frost time or if it needs you know to become it can go out two weeks before the last frost date you would count back, you know, a different number. It's it's just math, but mm. it helps to know. <laughs> you've you know, scared half a... the you've scared half the listenership now, Margaret. No, no, no. <laughs> no, it, no, it I really know, is. No, I know it, it really is. is, and you can you can group your things together. Your warm season <laughs> crops that, you know, your peppers and your tomatoes yeah. and your and so forth and your eggplants, and you can you know have them ready for right after the frost time, and you know just kind of count back those six or eight weeks depending on the size of seedling you want. And it, it makes it so much better and arrange your seed packets, you know, put rubber bands around the one that's, the ones that need to be plant sown April 15th and the ones that need to be sown. Do you know what I mean? May no, 1st. I, I, I got it. I mean, that's, I, the t- that's the thing to do right now. Otherwise, yep. it's really nervous making. You think, oh, my God, I forgot that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know the other thing, too, is I've, I've noticed on certain things, too, that I if I'm going to try to do a a bunch of things is to kind of spread it out too, where maybe I only do a third of the seeds one week. And then, you know, I have a window where then I maybe start another third of some seeds and, you know, a week later to kind of spread that out a little bit too. And then that kind of helps you not put, uh, for lack of a better term, all your eggs in one basket where, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to grow this thing this year from seed. I'm going to start the seeds all at once. If, if I kind of, space that out a little bit it, it gives me a little bit more uh opportunity for success where i'll at least get some some of it done because you know even when you're going seeds there, there's sometimes when you you have a, a weather phenomenon or you leave it out or you sure. do, do things the way you should and, and you might be getting get a little bit of a setback there so yeah no no and that's why again i think if you've binged and ordered a million kinds of seeds, <laughs> do that homework again. Either you can use my seed calculator on awaytogarden.com or another one, you know, Johnny's selected seeds, other places like that have similar kind of calendar tools and you can plan it and then group them and be ready. Like you said, to plant some this, you know, such and such a weekend and some a week later and some week later in an orderly way so that they'll all be ready. And then I think the other thing is not to get outside too soon when it's, mm worse for the soil and worse for the <laughs> the garden right so I, I don't around. i don't want to be messing in the soil right now right this I, is still yeah. the time for the soil to still be doing what it's doing which is still free stalling in some situations and, and yes. doing that so it's not it's not even though we think we might want to be in there it's not really telling us to be in there it's just kind right. of our minds a little you bit can right do a lot of damage to soil uh, and even even walking on frozen lawns and so forth like that it is not good for the underlying soil. Um, and if you're into the beginning of thaw of mud season, wherever you are on certain days, then you're just going to make, you know, cement, <laughs> you know, it's bad. But there are things that we can start to do. I mean, we can, you know, rake areas around the house, you know, start mm-hmm. to get a little semblance of a little cleanup uh, here. Or yeah, there, because know. it lifts the spirits, right? Don't you think? Well, well yeah, stuff that's and, blown and there around. Are, there yeah. are some of the perennials where I didn't top them off as much, you know, because uh, sometimes I like to leave that for the birds and stuff. For And that's great. That's yeah. really great to be doing. Leaving it being a little messier is really, really good. Yeah, I don't mind that. And, you know, and when you get to the point where you can see where the buds are and stuff, then you can clean up a little bit on aisle four and that branch here as we get. <laughs> closer too so yeah and cleaning up too soon is also bad not just for smashing around in the soil but there's again a lot of those beneficial insects the creatures that we rely on both as sustenance and to perform those ecosystem services like pollination and so forth 
a lot of them are sleeping in some life stage in a some lot of grubs the, or some, yeah, 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 but all those like kinds of all the spiders, which are a great insect, mm-hmm. you know, they eat a lot of unwanted insects and beetles and all kinds of really important creatures for the garden and the, and the, and the planet are, are resting in some stage, you know, in that messy area in your garden that you left up for the birds. So we don't want to clean it up too soon before they've had a chance to awaken. So that's the other thing is that we can be rushing and we can be, you know, harming um, things. So it's maybe better to wait in, in a lot of ways, I think. And then the other thing I think this time of year is talk to people in your that are do this for a living, maybe the greenhouse people and those kinds of things. And really, if you've just and we've had so much transience, Margaret, in the last couple of years with since COVID people moving to different areas. And so I don't think they're used to and all and those of us that are used to dates about when the last frost and when it's, a you know, when it's really safe to put stuff in. Um, so that's changing for the local person, too. It's really important to to think about that, because I think the biggest thing that I see is people rushing to put stuff in too early for their for the region and so it's really good to get that advice from people that that know this locally, right. right local local if you know insight absolutely and it's not a one and done that's the other thing is let's say if you didn't get if you didn't sow your lettuce in time to have that earliest potential crop of lettuce transplanted out into the garden well we can sow lettuce every 10 days yeah. all season long until what, a month or six weeks before, you know, hard frost and have lettuce, 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 lettuce. Uh, <laughs> so it's not a one and done. It's not a, oh, you know, I screwed that up and my chance is gone. It's gardens not like that, you, you know, at all. No. Um, and then that's also another thing to learn from people that uh, are in the know and ask questions. I, I got over my fear of asking questions to people. Um, <laughs> do you still feel like as a person that is, a, you know, an expert on gardening, there's still that trepidation for people to ask us, uh, ask not me, but ask people like you that are, are, are experts to get the right information? Why? Why should yeah, we be afraid well, to ask? Maybe, I think that's, maybe, don't you think that's true with everything? I mean, if is, you, you is. know, if, if you want to learn to bake a particular thing and you've, Every time you've tried it, it's flopped. You know, you're asking the master baker <laughs> or the cookbook author, you know, you feel a little silly, right? right but yeah, but yeah. it shouldn't be. And I ask, I mean, I am, because of my background is in journalism, I mean, all I do is ask questions. That's <laughs> what I do for a living, right? Is I'm a Me reporter, too. so to speak, right? So I think that's the greatest skill of all is to be open to asking, but also know how to listen and take some notes when you're listening. You know what I mean? Like really yep. listen and take advantage of of what's being shared. So I'm constantly asking people who know so much more than I do, well, what about this? And what about that? <laughs> what's going on here? And how do I do this better? And so forth. So I was just getting advice on um, some seed starting techniques, even though I've done it for decades. I was just, I want to fine tune some of my my tactics. And I was asking a friend who's like a master propagator, you know, for just a few little extra fine tuning tips. Um, so, oh, yes. are, they gonna, are those going to appear on your website here soon? <laughs> yes, so probably. <laughs> yes. So. He, yeah, he's he, he's this he as many professional propagators do. He top dresses, meaning applies a little almost like a mulch layer on top of his um, sown seeds of what's called poultry grit, or it's like a very fine gravel. It almost looks like birdcage gravel, but you get it at like a tractor supply kind of a store, a farm store. And he puts just a tiny bit of that on top after he sows his seeds. And it helps with preventing watering with 
too too sharp a, a stream of water if you're watering your seedlings from above it keeps better hygiene like it prevents a lot of sort of fungal um, spores from being able to get on the soil and cause uh, the, the seedlings to deteriorate so he you know it's it's these little tricks that the professionals have that I'm just always looking for so <laughs> well, we are glad that you are rooting those out and getting those yeah. to us. And you can get those uh, at uh, her website, awaytogarden.com, with all kinds of uh, uh, information about plants, recipes, a uh, way to listen to her podcast, uh, A Way to Garden with Margaret Roach. Of course, uh, also read her in the New York Times. Margaret, this has been great. I hope we can do this again. Time works well, so fast, you know. And I'm, you've got to come and be on the Away to Garden podcast and tell that, me about uh, the wind and what's yeah. the thing with all this wind wind dean yeah it's <laughs> i uh, need help <laughs> we're being we'll be more volatile with the wind for sure yeah. and a lot of heavy rain events right too yeah. where you know one minute we can be feeling drought uh, like and the next minute we're flooding out so yeah Absolutely. i can i will return the favor margaret i promise yay great well thank you it's so great to meet you thanks so much for being with us here on everything under the sun Again, awaytogarden.com is her website, and on there you can find all the great information to where to find her podcast, where to listen to her online, where to read her, and all the great articles that she collects there. So thanks again to Margaret Roach, and I will be returning the favor and appearing on Margaret's podcast sometime in the near future. We're going to go from the garden to talking about lightning safety. Our friend Chris Vagaski is standing by from the National Lightning Safety Council. Chris is going to talk about a study that is published just a couple of weeks ago that shows some encouraging signs that we could use lasers potentially to help keep areas safe from lightning. We'll talk about that coming up next. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Whether you're at home getting ready for work, packing the kids' lunch, or commuting, listen to AccuWeather Daily. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and you'll get the top trending weather story of the day every day. 
Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Again, this is episode number five of this uh, calendar year 2023, and we're getting towards a severe season, what's typically the severe weather season for our country, the biggest one, which is um, late winter into the springtime, and certainly lightning becomes a big factor here, especially over the next couple of months, for people's safety. And we know that our focus here on Everything Under the Sun has been keeping you safe, and over the last couple of years, we've been interviewing members of the National Lightning Safety Council. One of those is Chris Vigaski. He works with one of our uh, partner companies that we work with, Vaisala, uh, in terms of uh, lightning detection and reporting. And he's also a ma- member of the National Lightning Safety Council, which works so hard to help people understand the safety uh, elements when dealing with lightning. There was an interesting study that came out just a couple of weeks ago that I wanted to talk about, which is that there's some interesting uh, results now, finally, where we are seeing the possibility that lasers could be used to help deflect lightning. Now, I don't know if it's large scale, small scale. Let's find out together. Let's welcome in Chris Vigaski to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Chris, it's great to have you back. And uh, with your work with National Lightning Safety uh, Council and everything else that you do with lightning, I I know that probably like me, you were probably excited. And I actually know you were excited because I saw some of your comments based on a story that came out a few weeks ago now, um, that scientists now for the first time have been able to guide lightning bolts using lasers, kind of taking the thought of a traditional metal lightning rod and hopefully kind of extending that idea to get greater coverage. So talk a little bit about what exactly the study saw and did and how Maybe uh, it has uh, certainly some practical applications here as we continue to try to protect people from lightning. Yeah. So let's start with talking about a traditional Franklin lightning rod. The name right. Franklin lightning rod comes from Benjamin Franklin. So they've been around. So for, it's old technology, uh, right? It, it is. It is very old technology. It's been around a couple hundred years, but they work. Um, but they work by collecting the lightning electricity after lightning strikes the building or whatever you're trying to protect. Um, So that's the big challenge in lightning protection is how do we prevent something from being struck in the first place? And right now there's nothing out there that truly prevents lightning from striking. So we need to protect that. And that's where we put these uh, Franklin lightning rods in place. This new study uh, used a very powerful laser in the mountains in Europe uh, to see if they could redirect the lightning from actually hitting a tower that they were trying to protect. And they closed off airspace and fired the uh, laser in rapid succession into a thunderstorm cloud that they knew had lightning. And they were able to redirect the lightning by about 50 meters. Um, and wow. When lightning comes down from the sky, it's jumping in 50 meter increments. So it it moved one of those jumps of the step leader as lightning was coming down from the, the sky. So it was a very good proof of concept of how we could potentially in the future use other means to protect assets from lightning strikes. The the traditional Franklin rod has very limited coverage, right? So uh, what, a 10-meter, 30-foot rod covers basically a house or a barn situation, right? And so that's all. 
And it's not like you get a bigger bang for your buck by putting a hundred meter rod uh, up or a bunch of them because, but, but what, what this is trying to do is take uh, that concept. And then you're, you're trying to, in a situation where you're going to believe you got lightning strikes, fire the laser. And then hopefully that, uh, and it, it looked to me like it was about speed, right? How fast they were firing it made the difference in terms of being able to push that 50 meters, which like you said, when you're talking about an airport, you're talking about, um, you know, something we talked about last time, major league baseball stadiums who, you know, could get a lightning uh, that 50 meters could be life or death in a situation like that. When we're looking at, at lightning protection, it's all about getting the electricity away from what you're trying to protect. So if we can uh, use new technology to really help direct lightning in a certain way that we would like to, um, we can then eliminate that risk. Um, right now, still developmental processes. So you know, a lot of work still to be done you have to consider closing off airspace because you you know interactions of lasers with uh, aircraft or other things is a is we're, a we're, in, we're in a time in our lives where that's a big topic right now all the interaction with things that are going on in space and up in the sky chris so i think uh, we're, we're we're all familiar with that and then obviously till we you know test this i mean they put this this test in switzerland a place that a tower i think that i read where that tower gets hit sometimes a hundred times per year. Um, but still, it's, that's not, that's on average, right? <laughs> so we don't know. I mean, it's not like we can sit there and plan exactly. So I think you're right. This is something very, very uh, first level uh, situation. But the fact that we've been thinking about this for decades and finally have this little light at the end of the tunnel here where we're actually seeing something happen, that, that's pretty exciting. Yes, it really is exciting. You know, there's a lot of work being done. Um, this week even is the uh, Lightning Protection Institute annual meeting uh, running from February 15th through the 17th in Florida. Um, and I'll be speaking there actually uh, this week as well. So you know, lightning protection is a, is a big thing. We'll see how we can use the existing technologies and these new technologies like these lasers to see how we can really better protect, you know, really critical assets. I could see this, you know, maybe eventually at uh, space launch facilities or nuclear facilities, really critical assets where you can kind of limit uh, who's flying overhead or, or things like that um, to really see if we can take the, the first step that we got with the results in Switzerland and expand that into a, a wider range of environments. And then the other thing I think, Chris, and we were just talking about is in our podcast about gardening up front is with the climate change that we're seeing. And we're seeing now more and more severe weather, more thunderstorms outside the norms of spring and that little bump up in November. We're seeing them all year round. We December. Look at the numbers of the of thunderstorms and tornadoes in December this year. Just crazy. So this lightning mitigation and safety you know, we had kind of times of the year we had to think about it. Now it seems like we have to think about it every single moment, Chris. So while that's it's bad news in that regard, it's good news because we've already done some good, solid work and, and things like the National Lightning Safety Council and things like this. Uh, people are working harder every day to mitigate the dangers of lightning, right? Yeah, there's a big community. Uh, not just in the United States, but even globally in, in Africa and South Africa, Southeast Asia, 
really working to keep people safe from lightning all around the world. So there are some really powerful brains out there that are thinking of new ideas on how we can keep people safe and keep property safe from lightning. Chris, that's our goal here at AccuWeather. And I know you and the National Lightning Safety Council and everybody working. Always great to hear from you. And we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, thanks, Dean. Friends, that'll wrap it up for this week's edition of Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Again, thanks to Margaret Roach and to Chris Vagaski. Thanks to our executive producers, Ken Prell and Andrew Robb. And many thanks to our hundreds of team members that work so hard every day and every night, weatherproofing your life. Whether you get the information on our AccuWeather.com apps, both on the Android and Apple side or our AccuWeather.com website, which is also a way to get AccuWeather Now, which is our streaming feed of our network content and other feature stories that you can watch anytime from AccuWeather.com. Certainly check us out on the AccuWeather Network on your local cable or satellite provider or over-the-top situation, and then check in with me on our great radio stations, 1010 Winds on 92.3 FM in New York City, WBZ in Boston, WBBM in Chicago, WWJ in Detroit, KMOX in St. Louis, KDKA in Pittsburgh, and uh, so many more. I'm just fortunate to be able to uh, be able to be on those stations and representing AccuWeather. We'll be talking next week about weather and changes as we go from winter to spring and driving safety that is somewhat weather-related and somewhat not. Uh, disturbing trends in the amount of accidents based on speeding and distracted driving, and of course we add into the volatile weather to that. We'll have some discussion with that with our friends at AAA and more. For all of us at AccuWeather and AccuWeather AccuWeather.com. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week on Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review Everything Under the Sun on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And of course, if you have an idea for a future podcast, just email us at AccuWeather.podcast at AccuWeather.com.